From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Oh yeah, here we are rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast. And right here in Southern Colorado on the radio, catch it Saturday mornings, 91.7 KLZR, voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. My name is Matt West. You know what I'm here for. I am here to talk about cars. You have tuned into the correct car show with a lot of fun stuff this week. Oh man, we got a bunch of topics to hit on, uh, namely Audi has uh, changed their logo and uh, nobody noticed because they replaced their four ring logo with another logo that has four rings. <laughs> we'll touch on that. Uh, Audi is also now in the business of selling virtual reality instead of cars. Um, so I guess we'll, we will have an Audi themed segment in the uh, second half of the show. The um, uh, two different Audi stories, ba- stories back to back. One of the largest V8 Miata swap companies Um closes up shop and it is a travesty it is a tragedy they will be dearly missed as there will be fewer v8 miatas on the road as a result um which is uh which is truly depressing and uh and and we'll touch on that we'll touch on that we may even give a brief eulogy to the v8 miata and um we'll, we'll go from there but i will we won't we won't brew on that dark news for too long because i'm also going to talk about how porsche has just recently um, decided to use its famous sports car for the sport of volcano climbing. This is cool. It's as cool as it sounds. It's every bit as cool as it sounds. We're going to get to all of that and your car sounds on this week's edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. Uh, coming to you just a little bit later, I do want to thank the listeners who were messaging me on Facebook. Oh, where's the show? Where's the show, Matt? I know. It's been, it's been a very busy week. And uh, and I wanted to make sure I had time to put together a quality show for you. I care about the show I do for you every single week. And I always want to make sure I've got time to do it right. It's just been nuts with work this week. So I do want to thank those of you who uh, messaged me saying, hey, you forgot to upload the show, idiot. No, no, they were they were nicer than that. But uh, anyway, so we're <laughs> regardless, regardless, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Of course, if you love cars. Uh, you should love the RPM Act, and you should support the people who support the RPM Act. I'm talking about this every week until we get this until we get it passed. Once we get it passed, I'll shut up about it. Um, but until then, the EPA wants to take away your ability to turn street cars into competition-only track cars, um, and they're going to kill grassroots motorsports in doing that. Not only are they going to kill grassroots motorsports by doing that. They're going to deliberately hurt and take away the American jobs, the American companies that produce uh, speed parts for race cars. And, you know, those same companies also produce street legal parts. Your street legal catback exhaust is oftentimes made by a company that predominantly makes their money from racing. And if they can't do that, then they got to stop everything. They'll be out of business. We can't let the EPA do that. This directly affects race cars and indirectly affects anybody who enjoys modifying their street car. And um, they don't care. The EPA doesn't care about NASCAR. They don't care about F1. They get a pass because they have millions and billions and billions of dollars, like Dr. Evil level of billions of dollars. You know, pinky, pinky firmly planted at the corner of your cheek there. Um, and 
they, uh, the EPA doesn't seem to mind them. Nope, it's uh, not an environmental problem when the companies with millions of dollars do it, but when the grassroots does it, ooh, it's a problem. So we need to stop the EPA. We can do it. We can fight back. Saveourracecars.com is the place to be if you want to support the RPM Act. Um, several of my listeners have messaged me saying they have gone through there. They have gotten in touch with their state reps. It sounds complicated. Ooh, message your email your state rep. It's not hard. You, you, you go through a couple clicks. They've got a pre-built letter. You put in your zip code. It figures out who your state reps are, and you just send it to them. A couple clicks, you're done. You can write a whole letter yourself if you want to. You have that option, uh, and I encourage you to do that, but you don't have to. Um, and that's why it's so good. Again, saveourracecars.com. Check it out. Okay, first thing on the docket today. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, the most amazing Bring a Trailer parody Twitter account has uh, surfaced, and uh, and it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. It is the kind of true comedic gold that helps brighten up my mornings when I'm I'm scrolling through Bring a Trailer listings, and I look at they want how much for a clean Honda Civic? What? No, these guys, these guys know what's up. Um, and it's bring it. Okay, bring a trailer for the uninitiated uh, is a popular auction website for cars, and um, it is uh, pretty famous for having ridiculous uh, listings. In the sense, no, by by no means of bring a trailer's doing. It's just it's famous for the fact that people will post a pretty clean um, Toyota Camry, a nice clean Ford Ranger. And it'll get like $100,000 in bids. It's mind-blowing, right? Um, now, obviously, bring a trailer themselves. I, I love them because there's so many cool cars on there, even though I know I can't afford them. I just like looking at the cool cars that are up there. But again, the comedic gold happens when you call out the fact that just average, everyday cars do get posted there. And for whatever reason, the bids get racked up to astronomical values and a, uh, a parody tr uh, Twitter account has uh, taken to that and kind of run with it. It's called... At bring a trailer, except trailer spelled T-R-A-T-R-A-I-L-O-R instead of the official account, which is T-R-A-I-L-E-R, you know, like how a trailer is actually spelled. Um, and it, it, the jokes are just deep, like multi-level, multi-layer jokes. Um, Caleb Jacobs from The Drive, hat tip to The Drive, uh, he says, quote, I'm just going to read a quick section from his article about this because it's brilliant. He says, quote, the first at bring a trailer post I saw was a phony auction result showing a one-owner 2016 Nissan Altima with zero cosmetic damage that went for $125,000. He goes on to say, there are some obvious layers to that joke. The first being that such an Altima, that, uh, that such an Altima exists, and the second being that if it did, bring a trailer's, quote, curators would probably allow it on their site. He says, if a Ford, a 2001 Ford Ranger can make it, so can a pristine example of the world's most accident-prone sedan. Well said. Well said. Um, now, what I find incredibly entertaining about this whole situation, because this this Twitter page is just full of true comedy gold and fake, fake auction listings um, that just kind of poke fun at the, the sort of people who buy and list cars on Bring a Trailer. Um, so between the time when I actually did my show prep and, you know, found all the stuff I wanted to talk about and do everything, you know, between that time, I, I truly saved the link, their Twitter page, to my notes that I'm looking at right here. Um, I saved that link. And in the time that it has taken for me to actually do the show, uh, like I'm talking about just a couple hours from the time I, I, I put the link down, the Twitter site, um, their page has been banned. That's, that's how you know it's good. When they get banned that fast, that's how you know 
its quality. And so I was sitting here before the show like, well, what am I going to do? Part of my plan was to read off some of the beautiful and brilliant and thought-provoking tweets that they had that they had published. And now I can't get to their Twitter page. Now, good news, though, is uh, Andy uh, uh, Kalmowitz from, the, uh, from Jalopnik, he thought ahead. He went ahead and posted screenshots of all of the posts saying, yeah, if they get banned, here you go. And uh, he has effectively uh, saved this entire segment of the uh, radio show. So you can you can thank him later. And uh, <laughs> I'll go through just a couple of them with you. Uh, obviously, you know about the one owner 2016 Nissan Altima with zero cosmetic damage for 125000 uh, By the way, uh, side side note, Nissan Altimas without any dents are incredible. Uh, and also our Toyota Camrys with no damage whatsoever. Uh, there's a great Facebook page uh, that I'll totally just name drop here because it's hilarious, which is called um, Camrys with Dented Bumpers. That's a good follow. If you're looking for a good follow, that one's funny. You should check that one out. Um, but then there's also a, um, here we go, 19 sold, 1981 Chevrolet Chevette for $1.4 million. No commentary. But then there's some, uh, there, <laughs> here's one, sold 12 owner, 2019, non-New Jersey driven, that's an important point, Maserati Quattroporte, $1,601. Not $16,601. Um, <laughs> all right, here it is. Sold the Ferrari that you have no idea what the name actually is because all Ferraris have ridiculously complicated names now, sold for $643,333. Uh, I'm waiting to find one that is sold for, uh, there's got to be a listing here sold for $69,420, and I'm just missing it. Um, but uh, <laughs> some of these are good. Some of them I can't say on the radio. Um, and, uh, and, and okay, here they, they also have a, they've had a regular habit of posting scooters, like, uh, like mopeds, um, regularly. And uh, they, they, they do that saying, well, in case you couldn't afford anything else, here's a scooter, you poor. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hang on. I got to find just a couple more here. I got to find a couple more. Um, sold one Cadillac XLR taillight, $29,501. And the best part is these, these auction listings on this Twitter page look legit. Like if you were looking at them side by side with the official page, um, you would, you would be hard pressed to know what's the real one. They even kind of emulated the bring a trailer logo. Um, here we go. Now live at B, uh, bring a trailer auctions, 2019 Jeep Wrangler. And it's got, uh, you know, lights on it, uh, huge, uh, huge wheels, low profile tires, but like 30 inch wheels says, uh, yeah, now live Jeep Wrangler taking up three spaces at the uh, grocery store edition of uh, bring a trailer, <laughs> uh, 10,000 mile 2020 Subaru WRX, uh, sold for 10,000 vape cartridges. Um, is that a commentary on Subaru drivers? Hmm. hmm. If you're a Subaru driver, you tell me. <laughs> So, oh man, it's a tragedy. This website has, um, or this website, this uh, Twitter page has, um, has, has gone away now. I mean, again, in the time it took for me to write it down and then start the show, they got banned. And, uh, that's just a, uh, that's a tragedy. We should all, we should all, uh, get our pitchforks and torches and, uh, go protest in front of the, uh, Twitter headquarters. I mean, Elon Musk, you know, has, has a chance here being the new owner of Twitter to allow such things as uh, bring a trailer uh, back, allow actual comedy on on Twitter. Imagine that. Imagine that. That would be uh, that would be incredible. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, if you want to check these out, well, I guess I guess you can't now because it's um 
The account's been suspended. Mysteriously suspended. What a shame. What a shame. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, anyway. Hey, got a lot of other stuff to get to. I thought that was just a lot of fun, though. Uh, I do love those joke Twitter accounts like that. They always bring me a source of entertainment, and, and, and hopefully you as well, especially, you know, when they revolve around cars. Now, we got more stuff to talk about. We're talking about Audi's new logo and how nobody noticed. That's next. At the Speed Council, we understand that to go fast, you sometimes need to spend fast. As the inventor of hypersonic travel, the world's fastest cat, and instant noodles, we know what it takes. Money. Your contributions, bribes, and other monetary gifts keep the lights on at the Speed Council. However, we also know that giving back to our supporters is important, and now through the month of November, if you have contributed to the cause of speed, you're eligible to receive the automotive ADHD keychain free of charge. New supporters who join through the end of November are also eligible. When you support the Speed Council, you also receive your favorite podcasts early, or as one might say, faster. For more information, visit thespeedcouncil.org, because if there's anything we're fast at, it's spending money. Right, here we are rocking it for the second half of the Automotive ADHD Show. Matt West here, talking cars with you. Those car sounds were sent in courtesy of Tanner. That is his 1986 Turbo 5.3 swapped Jaguar XJ6. <laughs> what a mouthful. How cool is that? Did you hear that chop? Chop, chop, brap, 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 Oh, man, that thing sounded awesome. Tanner, of course, for sending his car sounds into the show is entered for a chance to win the automotive ADHD keychain. I'm sure I got one of them lying around here somewhere. I have a, I, I, somewhere, somewhere. It, it'll come up when I'm done with the show. Uh, he also wins, uh, if he is selected, I should clarify, if he is selected at the end of this month's drawing, he may also win a automotive ADHD sticker and a $25 gift certificate to an auto parts store. Every little bit counts. I do the drawing at the... Um, end of every month so if you want to be a part of that if you want to have a chance to win all of the above send your car sounds in like tanner has um or you could do what tanner has done and um ls swap a uh, jaguar xj6 put a turbo on it uh tune it do everything to it and then send your car sounds in um you can do that and uh you absolutely deserve to do so <laughs> so uh yeah there you go and um you can send those car sounds in at facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Or you can email me as well if email's your thing. That's cool. Matt at throttlewarrior.com. Send those car sounds in. Get them featured on the show. I'm on a quest to play everybody's car sounds. So you doing it only uh, helps you and me and everyone who likes them. So, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a win-win right there. Um, now, one thing before we get on to Audi, uh, you may have heard about this. Uh, Jay Leno... Uh, was uh, injured uh, recently. This is uh, some tragic news, though. He is okay. He is recovering, but he was fairly severely injured um, working on a car in his garage uh, when um, some gasoline uh, combusted thanks to uh, some sort of ignition source. They're not saying what happened exactly. Uh, there was a um, quick and fast fire that burned him, and he has third-degree burns, uh, on a portion of his face and uh, that he may be requiring 
uh, skin grafts and some other stuff. So uh, Jay Leno, of course, is a long time. Why am I talking about Jay Leno? If you don't know, Jay Leno is a longtime gearhead. He, of course, uh, hosts Jay Leno's Garage on YouTube, uh, in addition to a number of uh, automotive television shows over the years. Uh, the um, comedian and late night show host is a, probably the biggest celebrity car guy out there. Uh, he has a car collection with over 300 um, uh, or rather, sorry, make that 180 cars. Uh, and I was, I was reading another number on the side there, but uh, 180 cars. Um, and he's got, he's got 180 cars, 160 motorcycles. He loves his old steam cars, which, uh, allegedly that's what he was working on at the time of the fire. And somehow gasoline was involved in that. They're not, again, you know, this, this is one of those things that, um, they're keeping everything kind of under wraps until he's ready to you know, say anything about it, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, he's a celebrity, but you know, he's got millions of dollars, but at the end of the day, he's a dude working in his garage. It's just his garage is bigger than mine. I get it. I get it. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's a dude working on cars. He loves his cars and he loves working on them. So, uh, I think it's, um, it's tragic what happened. The good news is, uh, he's going to be okay. Um, and, uh, I do think at that point, everyone should kind of give him his space. Cause I don't know if I'd want the, uh, absolute crowd of the media poking on my hospital window if I, my car just blew up in my face that would kind of suck <laughs> so yeah we're gonna give him gonna give him some space on that wish him all the best wish him the best wishes um and so that he can get back in his garage and keep wrenching on cars because the dude loves it and i respect that uh jay leno is one cool dude when it comes to cars so uh just uh, just a little piece of news to touch on there uh next thing we got to move on to though is audi uh audi as, uh, you know, in a big kind of pressy way, you know, they've, they've talked about, ooh, we've changed our logo for the first time in years. Uh, they've redesigned it. They're using all sorts of business and design, you know, uh, uh, buzzwords. Good design is less design, you know, and all these different things. I can't tell the difference, really. I, I, I'm not really finding much of a difference in their logo. So their logo is four rings interlinked with each other. Um, and, um, the, the logo still four rings interlinked with each other this time with just a two tone, two dimensional sort of appearance. Here's the thing. It's so it's got more of a flat look compared to the, um, sort of metal look that you would expect of an, an actual badge, a metal badge on a car. It doesn't have quite that embossed look to it. It's just flatter. It's just four rings, but flatter. Okay. And, um, and why, why, why are we talking about this? Mainly because I find it's entertaining the uh, the way these big companies, you know, talk about, you know, changes to their logo and stuff. And I mean, the, the biggest complaint that folks have with this right now um, is that on the cars, this is going to be like a 2D logo uh, in the grill. It's not going to have any texture to it. It's not going to have any embossment to it. It's going to be like a sticker sitting in the grill, um, which some folks are upset about that. Um, but here's, here, here's the thing. Like, Audi has some interesting things to say some interesting <laughs> remarks when it comes to um uh how they're uh, how they're going about this um so one of the uh, uh one of the designers here the audi brand strategist frederick kalish um says that uh <laughs> and this is just designer speak if you've ever like like how do you how do you tell someone you work in marketing and design without telling anyone that you work in marketing and design this is how he says, quote, on one hand, loud and very bold. On the other, restrained, pure and clean. The two-dimensional look 
gives our rings a significantly more modern and more graphic makeover, uh, although their geometry is almost identical to the former ones. So just picture what I said right there in a really thick German accent, and you 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 have it. Like, the, if you hear anyone say that, they could be talking about anything, but you know they work in design. You know they work in marketing. He could have said, yeah, we made the rings flat. That's what we did. There's still four rings. So, yeah, they're flat now, and it's probably cheaper to manufacture. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, again, I talked about a couple weeks ago how Volkswagen was uh, bringing physical buttons back to their steering wheel instead of capacitive touch buttons. And they had, like, the CEO had an entire paragraph that he wrote about how clean and, you know, uh, user-friendly design is what makes cars. No, okay, yeah, you didn't like the, phys- the, the touch buttons, so we put the physical ones back. Okay, there you go. Uh, paraphrased it right there. I know, I get it. I talk for a living. I talk. That's like what I do. But like you, when you do that, you could just so much more easily say, yeah, we like this design because it's cheaper to manufacture. Okay, maybe that's not the best for uh, PR and getting people to buy your cars. Okay, we made this design simpler. Yeah, see? Simpler. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's funny, though. Um, and apparently the Audi subreddit uh, has been insanely critical of the slightly flatter four rings. Um, They've been complaining up and down, uh, saying that, oh, look, Audi's going the VW route. It looks cheap. Uh, It was just stuck on as an afterthought. Um, Maybe all of the above is true. Uh, Maybe maybe it isn't. Uh, But it is interesting looking, you know, at design and looking at car badges and logos. They are really iconic things. Um, the Audi badge, some brief history for you. It goes back to a merger of four German automakers, uh, in 1932. And those German automakers became the auto union, which they operated as, um, all the way up until the mid 1960s. Um, and it was the auto union or AU for short. Uh, and in the 1960s, Volkswagen purchased a 50% stake in the customer or in the company and rebranded the company AU as Audi, because that sounds more German, sounds sounds better, yeah. Um, and uh, so they did that, where they have then since made overpriced, uh, rebadged VM, uh, VWs like ever since. That's what they've done. So, <laughs> except for the original Quattro, because the original Quattro uh, is, is cool. Uh, A plus, Group B, Quattro, go for that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's, that's generally the history of Audi's design, uh, and that's why there's the four rings because they represent the four automakers uh, that originally, you know, merged together. Um, but you gotta give them credit in some places. Credit where credit is due. I saw something else interesting, which is uh, comes from a couple years ago, but it was a, um, a basically um, a study where. They took, uh, researchers took a group of people, a hundred members of the British public to draw from memory car brand logos. Uh, so they took a hundred people and, um, and, and just made them draw the stuff and they, they, they laid them all out. And you know what? Resoundingly, the Audi logo was the most accurate, um, because it was four rings all linked together. Like that's it. Like almost everyone got that. Except for the one guy, I'm looking at the whole grid. They they made a whole grid of everyone who who drew them and how they drew them, um, 
And uh, there's some artsy people that drew these. But yeah, four rings stuck together, except for the guy who drew a big A surrounded by a circle. Yeah, he got it wrong. He got it really wrong. And then someone else drew the Citroen logo. They got that really wrong, too. But for the most part, resoundingly, there's that brand recognition. You say, draw the Audi logo. Okay, four rings linked together. Uh, someone else also drew the Olympic logo, which does look similar, uh, but is uh, distinctly different. Uh, now, that said, what's interesting about this whole logo thing is not only did they take people, 100 people, and ask them to draw the Audi logo, they also asked them to draw the Alpha logo. Oh, and that's where this gets creative. Man, these people got creative, all right? We have some some real uh, Picassos and, uh, uh, you know, some artists, artists here who drew the um, the Alpha logo. Uh, which the Alpha logo is a big old circle. It um, says Alpha Romeo in it. It's got a little, you know, cross and a snake with a little crown. Like, I'm just, like, I, it's try, It's hard to, you know, paint a picture here. This is audio, but the Alpha logo, you've seen it. You know it. And some people got it really right. And you would have to, I think, be an Alpha enthusiast to get it really right. This is a hard logo to draw. Um, and there's a number of different ones here. Uh, somebody drew the Ferrari badge which isn't all that inaccurate since Alpha and Ferrari do a lot of stuff together nowadays, at least. Uh, it's not, not always been the case, but um, uh, some other folks here drew uh, beautiful, an A with a circle around it again. That was probably the same guy who drew the A with the circle for the um, Audi badge, too. <laughs> it's just A, circle it. That's Audi and Alpha. That's uh, Audi Romero. Uh, Romero? Romeo. <laughs> there we go. Uh, showing my Americanness there. Uh, Europeans always criticize us for mispronouncing Alfa Romeo. Yeah, it's Romeo. If you say Romero, who the hell? Who's who's Romero? Who's Romero? And what does he want with this Alfa? Um, anyway, uh, some of the best ones here, though. I love this. Looking at it, someone just drew the BMW logo, except made it yellow, and they still wrote BMW in it. <laughs> Come on, man! What the heck? Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Now, speaking of the BMW logo, the same researchers also asked people to draw the um, the BMW logo and uh, similar results. Somebody also just drew a B and a W and then circled them, leaving out the M entirely. So BMW. B oh, it's just B. OK, anyway. Um, yeah, I think this is interesting. I would like to see this done with American uh, automakers. I mean, I could draw the Chevy logo for memory. No problem. Um, Dodge, it's a little harder to draw that logo. Uh, Chrysler, the five, the, the, you know, kind of Chrysler, the Pentastar logo, as they call it. That's an easy one. Uh, I would, I would like to see this redone with American manufacturers though. I think that would be fascinating. Um, and then everyone could just draw the AMC logo and that would make me happy. So, <laughs> and it's still getting wrong. Do you know what the AMC logo looks like? Can you picture it in your head? Have you, like, that's a, that's one of those ones where people have entirely forgot about that car company as a whole. I don't think anyone's drawing their logo from memory. That's a cool logo though, by the way. But anyway, uh, speaking though of Audi, while they made their badge two dimensional, they took away a whole dimension of their badge just so they could give you that third dimension back in 3D VR. Yeah, this is different. Um, Audi is now selling VR headsets. I, I really don't know why, considering that they're an auto manufacturer. They're not a video game company or an electronics company. They're a car maker. They, um, they sell cars. They build and sell cars. But nope, nope, nope. Now they got a VR virtual reality Audi headset um, that you can wear while driving your Audi. And uh, because I guess driving isn't cool enough, uh, the promotional ad for this is is really strange, honestly, um, because what they show 
uh, in the promotional video is a clearly bored uh, lady sitting in the back seat of an Audi driving through the city um, no, with nothing better to do. Nothing better to do than just, than just sit there, right? Like you're in a car and you're just sitting there. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. So magically appearing on the seat next to her is the Audi VR headset. Uh, she dons the headset and uh, the world turns into gumdrops and and uh, bubblegum and because this is clearly a way to get motion sick, I suppose. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, like, I guess driving is boring enough. Now, to be clear, they're not marketing this as to be used by the driver, but you know some numbskull is going to try it. Uh, also worth noting, as I'm just kind of watching through their promotional video for this uh, while I'm talking here, uh, the Audi being driven in the commercial does not have the new logo, to clarify, uh, which is clearly an oversight on uh, Audi's behalf. You know, how are you going to take away that, you know, how are you going to have the 3D headset if you got the 3D logo? That's too much 3D. You got to have that 2D logo to have the 3D headset. I digress. Uh, I digress. Um, the the whole ad is really strange. I imagine it was really funny because uh, if you were like on the production side of this advertisement, if you were filming this advertisement uh, and you were there with the camera in the car, the the lady, she's not probably she's probably not actually looking at any VR at all. She's just reacting to what she's being told to do. Look excited. Whoa, look, a dinosaur is going by you. And then she just has to react to the prompts like, ooh, imagine a dinosaur. This must have been impossibly entertaining to uh, to film. At the very least, um, credit to her acting skills, uh, whoever she is. She probably deserves a, uh, a Grammy. No, that's for music. An Emmy for that. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, VR in a car. My take on that is this is just one of the effects, I think, of electric cars. We can tie this to electric cars because what happens with electric cars? Well, they're more boring to drive. There's no engine noise. There's no engagement. They all drive kind of the same. There's no differentiation between the chassis, in my opinion. They're all heavy. They're all usually SUVs. And they're all fairly boring. And I get that they can be very fast. But for the most part, aside from that raw acceleration, that instant torque, there's not much else with electric cars at the moment that gives them any merit as sports cars. So manufacturers say, we need to make our electric cars more interesting so we're just going to give you a VR headset in the back and you can entertain yourself with video games like a child. Like, yes, here, here's a, here's a smartphone. Go play, you know, uh, disgruntled birds or something on it and, uh, and, and entertain yourself with it. And, and I think this is, for me, I would stay away from this wholeheartedly. Um, if anything, just because uh, I usually like to be driving the car because you know what happens? <laughs> this is a thing for me. When I'm not driving a car, I get car sick super easy. It's ironic. I love cars so much, and I get terribly car sick when I ride passenger, especially in the back seat. Even as an adult, I got car sick as a kid a lot. As an adult, I get car sick a lot. I do not enjoy being in the back seat of a car. Now, one thing, there is one thing in this world that can make me just as sick as I get if I'm in a car, especially um, that 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 is VR, uh, virtual reality. I have I have I've tried it. Uh, a friend of mine has a VR headset, and uh, I've, I've tried it. I even bought one just kind of on a whim to mess around with it. And um, yeah, t terribly motion sick. I just, yeah, they say, yeah, you'll get used to it. You just don't get motion sick after. No, that's not true. I get as motion sick every single time like it's the first time. Um, and so, you know, for someone like me, and there's a lot of people like me who get motion sick in cars, uh, planes, boats, all of the above, and also in VR. 
and you combine the virtual reality with the car, it's just asking for it. That's just asking for it. I mean, now what they advertise is that they're able to sync up the virtual reality world to the movements happening in the car to help prevent motion sickness. But the problem is I get motion sick in the car as it is anyway. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a gimmick. Um, I think Audi should just focus on, you know, what they do, uh, which is, which is building cars. Uh, not to mention they call this, what they're calling this, by the way, is Audi hollow ride. Ooh, sounds fancy. Um, and guess what? There's a subscription for it. So you have to buy the headset. Okay. The headset is like 700 bucks, uh, which that's a pretty penny. And also when you consider like other VR headsets that exist, um, that's, it's about how much they cost, but other VR headsets you can use in like other places, not just in your car. Um, but here's the thing. So you buy the headset that's 700 bucks and then you pay a $20 a month subscription after that $20 a month, um, for using the VR, using a piece of hardware that you have. Audi, Audi is big on the subscription service thing. And I'll go down that rabbit hole for a second. If you listen to the show regularly, you know, I'm not a fan of those subscription services uh, in no way, shape or form. I, you know, I am of the opinion, if you bought the hardware, you get to use it. End of story. Um, and that's what Tesla and a number of other manufacturers don't realize. Even Toyota said, yeah, we're going to do a subscription service to use the remote start thing on your key fob. And um, Toyota owners didn't put up with that. Toyota, uh, Toyota owners resoundingly, uh, you know, banded together in the form of an angry mob and decided to, you know, figuratively at least set fire to all of Toyota when they said that. And, um, and that's absolutely, I think that's, that does go, that goes a long way to show the difference in buyers of these vehicles, the demographics, a lot of uh, luxury car buyers are, are perfectly okay with, yeah, I'll just do the subscription service for the heated seats. And, uh, oh yeah, the, uh, you know, whatever this, this extra option, oh, the VR has, I'll do the subscription service for that too. And, and that obviously probably goes to the fact that folks like that have a lot of discretionary money and, a you know, Ooh, it's only $20 a month for the heated seats. I'll just spring for that. Well, you're, you know, that's, that's completely missing the point that you're, you paid for the hardware when you bought the car. You paid for the heated seats physically when you bought the car. And uh, now you're paying the subscription service for it. And it's billed as a thing that you can do. So, well, don't have to, you don't have to pay for the options you don't use. No, you just get the subscription for the options you, you do want. Um, the fact is the auto manufacturer is going to bill you for the heated seats because they gave you heated seats physically in the car, just because you have to pay a subscription service to use them doesn't mean that you didn't physically pay for the hardware. And I'm just using heated seats as an example. Um, but again, this goes to remote start and other features and things like that. But using the heated seats as an example, when you bought the car, you paid physically for that hardware. You paid for that. They weren't going to give you the heated seats for free. That cost money. Of course, they were going to charge you for that and wrap that into the overall price of the car, take the heated seat option off the option sheet, and just say, yeah, you can get heated seats with the $20 a month subscription. Well, in reality, you still paid for those heated seats. Now they're billing you too just to use them, which is, um, I think any reasonable person would probably disagree with that. And um, Audi, except for Audi owners, who like wearing their VR headsets and paying $20 a month for it while they sit in the back of their car while presumably someone else drives them in their car. 
I don't know. Does owning an Audi, you know, the income level you need to be at to own an Audi, I don't think really affords you to be driven around. I think an Audi is still a car you drive. It's not like a car you get a chauffeur to drive you around in. Um, but, you know, what do I know? I'm not sitting in the back of an Audi wearing a VR headset. Um, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a silly idea. Absolutely silly. Um, Audi should just uh, give us the 3D badge back, the 3D logo, and then take their 3D headset back while they're at it. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I think there. Let me know your thoughts on this one. W would you screw around with a VR headset in uh, the back of a car? Or would that make you terribly motion sick like it would me? Um, let me know. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Got a lot of other stuff to get to here. Stick around for the third half of the show coming up in just a minute. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro, we'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. There we go. Those car sounds were sent in by friend of the show, Colin Schrome. That is his Chevy truck sitting there idling, doing it, running, doing all the good stuff that, you know, trucks are supposed to do. And he um, he did make the comment that it's been a little too reliable recently. And he's become suspicious of it because it has been too reliable lately. And uh, yeah, you, you know you drive a project car when you worry that your car is actually too reliable. And if it's so reliable, that means it is going to break at some point. I, I relate with that on a personal level. I, I do. I've, I That's... That's practically every one of my cars, though I I can't say that for real anymore. I, I have a Tacoma that starts every day, um, so I guess I'm a cheater. I'm a fraud, yeah, because <laughs> my car starts every day. Uh, don't give it any bad ideas because it might stop, so uh, yeah, don't. But anyway, um, if you do want to send those car sounds into the show, um, I can only encourage you to do it, of course, Facebook dot com slash automotive ADHD, Matt at throttlewarrior.com, or... If you are feeling extra fancy, how about this? Uh, let me think here. How about you put it on a flash drive and then you tape that flash drive to a Honda S2000 CR, very important, very important note there, CR front bumper, uh, and then mail that to me. And I will probably play your car sounds here on the show for the rest of time. That's, uh, <laughs> can I be bought? Yes, I can. And that's how you can do it. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you choose to do that, I, um, I won't say no. So anyway, um, there you go. Now, before we talk about volcano climbing Porsches, um, I do have I do have a piece of tragic news, uh, which is uh, relating to the relating to the uh, Colorado based company Flying Miata. Yeah, they are in my own backyard here in Colorado, and they build insanely cool V8 Miata conversions. Um and why, why this is cool, right? This goes back to 
You know, why would you put a V8 in a Miata? Well, obviously because it's cool, but it also goes back to the original sense of hot rodding, right? When you look back at some of the original muscle cars, what defined a muscle car, right? It was having a small car with a big engine. You go even further back. The OG original hot rodders were out there taking V8s and stuffing them into smaller cars that would have had straight sixes and other things like that. That was the whole point. You look at John DeLorean when he worked on the GTO, which that's one piece of trivia a lot of people don't know, is that DeLorean, obviously famous for the DeLorean Motor Company, which sells the DeLorean model, sold the DeLorean model car. Um, John DeLorean worked for General Motors for a long time, and he was instrumental in the project uh, that was what ultimately became the Pontiac GTO. Not to say he gets all the credit for it. It was a team thing, but that said, he was instrumental in that. And what did they do? They took a big engine and put it in a small car. I wouldn't necessarily brand a GTO as a small car. It's really not. But when you look at it in the context, when you look at it in the time, uh, the cars that were going around on the road then were huge boats of cars, cars that were so big you could sleep lying entirely flat and stretched out in the trunk. That's how big those cars were. So by comparison, the GTO is small. So again, here's the idea. Big engine, little car. You take advantage of the weight, um, the power to weight ratio. Uh, you take advantage of the better weight distribution that you achieve with that. And now that's not saying a uh, slapping a gigantic V8 in the front end of a Miata is going to not affect weight distribution at all. It might, might just a little bit, just, just a tiny bit. Um, but Flying Miata has been pretty well known for this. And what they do is they provide provided now, uh, sad to say, but they provided turnkey swaps. They would sell you um, the uh, everything you needed to put an LS engine into a Miata. Um, the LS, of course, is a the modern derivative of the Chevy small block. And uh, you can have them in all sorts of flavors, LS1, LS2, LS3, LSX, LS7. Uh, and obviously, you know, those are going to be aluminum block, aluminum head V8s. They're pretty light for what they are. Uh, you also have v, uh, iron variants of those engines that were used in all sorts of things, um, like, uh, you know, sh Chevy trucks and Suburbans and things like that. Um, Devin, who's had his car sounds played on the show a lot, is uh, is a fan of them, uh, to say the least. He's got a uh, LM7, which is an iron block uh, uh, a V8 um in his uh, Volvo 240 that has a supercharger and nitrous and water meth and, you know, the good stuff. And uh, so he's got that going for him. And he, again, there's just, the, the point is there's all sorts of flavors of LS. Um, and putting one in a Miata just makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, come on. I mean, that's like one of the smallest cars that you can get in the U.S. market that's rear-wheel drive. Uh, and yeah, you're putting the biggest engine you can find into it. That's super cool. It's uh, LS V8s are, are uh, you know, cost. Uh, they don't cost a huge amount of money. They're not terribly expensive. You can go expensive on an LS. But for the most part, it's attainable. It's attainable for the dude wrenching in his garage. And the tragedy here is because of the EPA, this ties into the RPM Act, because of the EPA, Flying Miata has decided that it's not worth the risk, at least, as a company. The EPA hasn't explicitly come after them yet, but they're worried about repercussions from the EPA, um, and they're worried about that. And they would, I have a feeling, um, 
I have a feeling they don't want to be the test case when it comes to fighting this in court. You know, they're a small business. They employ local workers. They employ American workers. That's a good, that's a good noble thing. Um, but likewise, they don't have the resources of General Motors and Ford and all the big companies. Um, and fighting the EPA head on, that's going to be, that's a tough task as uh, lots of aftermarket tuning shops have already proven once they've gotten into lawsuits with the EPA. Um, now, in a, in a statement on their website, they said, quote, while flying Miata has an extensive history of building LSX converted Miatas from 2008 to 2000. Uh, to 2019 uh, and built some of the most exciting Miatas to grace the streets, autocross tracks, and hill climbs all over the world, we have discontinued our V8 conversion service and are no longer offering turnkey builds or conversion parts for V8 builds. Uh, they go on to say there are two factors here. Um, they say there are questions about federal legality of the conversions, and they say that they have limited resources to build cars and do research and development. Now I get that. I get the limited resources, right? Again, we're talking a small business, um, but uh, and research and development—that's a huge process. Designing stuff, researching it, testing it—you know, rinse and repeat. Do all of that over and over until you have a product that works and works reliably. I get that, but I think the biggest thing here, and it's what they said first: uh, repercussions from the federal government, namely the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, my arguments for the V8 swaps here, though, um, especially now, granted, a lot of these are just being used on track. Now, obviously, you got guys who are going to V8 swap their Miatas and they're going to drive them on the street. Uh, I think there should be nothing wrong with that. But if we're talking about legality's sake, um, you know, this is one of those things too. the whole argument that, well, you're swapping a Miata with a V8, that's bad for the environment. Well, the fact is you're taking one V8 that was already on the road in the form of a, uh, you know, anything that an LS comes in, be it a Corvette, be it a Camaro, be it a iron block in a pickup or a Tahoe or something, right? You're taking that off of the street and just putting the engine in a lighter car, which arguably is going to be more efficient. That engine's not working as hard to, you know, to, to move that car from a stop, um, but the fact is you're taking it from an existing car that's already on the road that already passes emissions and just putting it in another car. Why is that so terrible for the environment? Especially if you've gone to the extent, if you want it to be a street car, you want it to pass emissions in whatever state or county you, you reside in. Therefore, you have taken the emissions equipment um, or at least, you know, done a replicated that emissions equi equipment on your swap, be that catalytic converters and whatever else you need. You've done that, so the emissions aren't going to be any different necessarily than if that was a stock Corvette. If it was a, a stock LS out of a stock Corvette and you just happen to put it in a Miata, oh, no, now the federal government's got to get involved. That Miata produces more emissions than that ever should have produced. That's not the point. That point is mute because that engine and that, that whole setup came from a Corvette that was already destined for street use, and it's just happens to be that it's now in a Miata. How is that any different than having the Corvette on the road? I don't see that. I don't see that. I think there should be nothing wrong with that. Uh, but this is where the RPM Act comes into play. Again, I've talked about it before. I'm going to keep talking about it. I know you're sick of me talking about it, but it's so important. It's so critical. It's crucial. Um, and the RPM Act would protect companies like Flying Miata who are making uh, LS-converted Miatas uh, many of which are destined for track use and track use only, uh, it would protect them. It would legally protect them and shield them from the EPA. 
they as a company aren't liable if you take your track car uh, that's not street legal or anything, and you happen to drive it on the street and you get busted for it, or you you take a street car that's registered and you you do the conversion and blow past emissions, or maybe you live somewhere that doesn't have emissions. They're not li- They should not be liable for what the customer ultimately does. Um, they just are selling you know V8 swaps for non-street use, be that drag strip, be that uh, road course, whatever, and the RPM Act would entirely protect them. And this is exactly how companies are going to be put out of business because without the RPM Act, companies like Flying Miata, they haven't even, you know, at least publicly said anything about any incursion or violation with the EPA, but they see these violations and the EPA coming down hard on other companies like uh, tuners like Cobb uh, that makes the access port um, tuners and stuff. Uh, you know, the those things, um, you know, they, they see the effects of this and they know that a major lawsuit and major fines from the EPA and all this stuff would just bankrupt them. So they have to, they, that's why they said that, you know, they go on to say that they believe this whole thing was the, you know, best thing for their business. That doesn't mean they think necessarily they could make more money not doing this. They just know that they will be put out of business if they get in trouble for it and they shouldn't get in trouble for it in the first place. So um, there you go. Those are, those are my thoughts there. I would love, I, and I may reach out to them. I would love to have the flying Miata, uh, some of the folks from there on the show. They seem like the coolest dudes. I I'm just curious to know a little bit more about what's going on, you know, with, you know, from their perspective as a tuner, uh, what goes on with things like the EPA with things like selling parts to do race conversions and stuff. Um, I'm sure those guys would be big supporters of the RPM act. So, uh, anyway, uh, one more thing, one more thing I have to touch on. This is, this is cool. This is cool. Um, Porsche, speaking of fun, cool, crazy cars, uh, Porsche has taken to uh, volcano climbing with 911s. Yeah, this is, uh, this is fun. I would totally, I would totally buy a 911 to do this. So they've got a couple of 911 prototypes that are on majorly lifted off-road suspensions, off-road tires with a roof rack. Picture a wide-body 911 with big, meaty tires, long travel suspension, bash bars, a roof rack, stripped-out race race interior. Just, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And what they've done with this 911 is they decided to scale the, and I, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, the Ojo del Salado Volcano, which is in Chile, uh, and it is the highest volcano in the world. And um, so you get simultaneously the freezing temperatures, the effects of the high altitude, while also being set on fire at the by the volcano. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, this 911, by the way, really cool. 443 horsepower, all-wheel drive, Carrera 4S. It's based off the, the 992 generation of 911. And uh, it has a staggering 13.7 inches of ground clearance, which is, they say, half an inch more than the ground clearance you find on the Ford Bronco Raptor. That's a really high-riding Porsche. That is, okay, this is cool. And yeah, I get it. It's a publicity stunt from Porsche, though it's not unlikely that they would never sell a rally off-road inspired Porsche. And obviously Porsche has a history of doing off-road Porsches, everything from the Dakar rallies to the, to Baja stuff, you know, things like that. And not only that, the, the, you know, the, um, the Porsche 959, the 
absolute gem, the top of the top Porsche supercar from the 1980s, you know, famous for a period of time, at least for being one of the, if not the fastest production car in its day, that car was a derivative of a group B rally car. That was a homologation special, not even a derivative. That was a homologation of the group B Porsche rally car. Group B of course was like the most intense section of rally that happened back in the 1980s. Uh, I could do a whole episode here on some of the history of group B because it's fascinating. It's uh, in some ways tragic, but I don't think anyone can argue that it wasn't the most rowdy form of rally back in its day. And uh, even by modern standards, honestly, I mean, manufacturers are doing nutty stuff. They had the Porsche, the 959 was really designed to compete with that. And, you know, this even goes to some of the features you still find in those old 959s, which is, yeah, you've got your, say, your, your manual transmission, your, your first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear. Well, you actually have an extra low granny gear, a crawler gear to the, to the side of first in that. And that, again, goes back to some of the off-road heritage. Now, I would love to see a 959, a collector who owns one, just go, like, take it off-road and just beat the crap out of it off-road. They're not going to do it. They, they won't. They'll, they'll never do it. But come on, it was built for that. I know, I know. But um, this is cool. I respect Porsche for doing ridiculous cool stuff. Yeah, is it a publicity stunt? Totally. It totally is. Are they going to sell uh, lifted... Porsches. Uh, maybe actually, uh, it's un, it's not the most likely thing in the world, but there is talk that they are actually working on more of an off-road focused Porsche. Um, are they going to be as you see them in this, uh, crazy volcano climbing trim? Probably not. Is anyone ever going to buy one? Probably not. Do I care? No. Cause they climbed a freaking volcano with a Porsche and that's awesome. Like that, that, that appeals to the inner five-year-old in me. I love that. I, we're all five years old at heart when it comes to cars, I swear. And uh, now, when you think about a Porsche like this, they should sell one because, I mean, look at it this way. Um, you know, if you've got, say, you know, a dude whose spouse maybe doesn't really support him purchasing a sports car, oh, it's not going to be practical. What if we have to get groceries? What if it snows? This off-road volcano Porsche is your, uh, is your solution. Groceries, put them on the roof rack. Done. You need to go out in the snow? No problem. You need to go to your grocery store, which happens to be on top of the world's tallest volcano. No problem. You can do it in the Porsche. <laughs> it's like, come on, that's cool. What part of that isn't cool? Oh, man. I get excited with these kind of things. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. We need more of this stuff. That's the kind of absolute nonsensical things that more manufacturers need to do. And then someone needs to actually um, sell something like that. And I think it would be brilliant. You'd probably sell like two of them, but it would be awesome. So anyway, uh, there you go. Hey, this has been a fantastic show, a fun show. I want to thank you for joining me, but not only that, before I go, um, I do want to remind you that this show does, uh, go up as video now. Um, and I, I do forget to mention that sometimes, but what I'm doing is the show is available on YouTube, but also rumble the links to both of those are in the show notes um, below this episode. And um, Rumble, of course, is a alternate video hosting platform. They're a little better when it comes to creators. So that's that's why I, I do want to see, I seek the value in, in posting there as well. They are actually really good when it comes to uh, supporting creators. And that's something you need. That's something you need as a creator, obviously. Uh, but yeah, YouTube, Rumble, check that out. Of course, remember to give 
this show a rating. Yes, give it a rating on Spotify. Six stars. Blow it up. Make them add a whole new star just for this show. That's going to be good. This show, of course, is available on Spotify and we're fine shows and, well, you know how it goes. This one are downloaded and I'll see you right here, same time, same place next week when I think um, we'll probably talk about more cars. It's kind of like what the title's about. That's, uh, that's coming up next week. I'll see you then.